So I'm Bridget Hedinger. I'm on staff with Crew, and I get to start off this talk series called Lifelong, and I'm really excited. Uh, by the way, happy St. Patrick's Day to you all. You're looking kind of green, mostly your faces, so that's weird. Um, well, if you're new to Crew, I'm genuinely glad that you're here. Uh, we have a really fun staff team that I get to be a part of. There's like 20 of us that are on staff with Crew, and it's our full-time job to do ministry with college students here in Muncie. And they're a really fun team. They're hardworking. I love getting to work alongside them. And actually, the Friday before spring break, my co-leader Corey and I decided that it would be a really fun treat for the team to have what we call a forced fun day with the staff team. Because um, fun is fun when it's forced. We all know that's the best kind of fun. And so I decided, because our team uh, loves Chick-fil-A, that it would be really fun, see, because we're Christians, um, <laughs> that I'd ask the store to organize a bingo game for us, breakfast and bingo, because they gave out free Chick-fil-A breakfast every Monday for two months, so that's what all the staff have been eating for two months. And so we thought, why not go there, play bingo, eat breakfast, encourage one another, do life together, it'll be great. And so they agreed to do that, which was really kind um, of them. So we get to Chick-fil-A that morning. It's a Friday morning, 10 a.m. We get our breakfast. We're sitting around, and the whole thought is we'll just have a casual game of bingo because you can, like, have a conversation and have fun while you play bingo. Well, things were going normally until the marketing director came up to us and told us that there would be prizes. And not just prizes, free Chick-fil-A coupons. And that's when Staff Fun Day got competitive. <laughs> we have a very competitive team, even at games that require no skill whatsoever, like bingo. Well, the first few winners came, and they didn't just get like a small fry. They got like a complete meal. And you could just kind of see it happening in the eyes, like slowly the comp, like it was like, I'm going to win this bingo game. And the more, <laughs> yeah, as the game went on, the prizes increased in number. And it escalated to the point where I'm pretty sure one of the people on our staff team received 10 to 15 Chick-fil-A free food items in one win. Yeah. And that's when the shift happened in my heart. <laughs> See, I organized the event so that the team would be blessed, would be encouraged, would feel just really loved, and yet, the more my staff team was blessed with those gift cards, the more jealous I got that I was not. <laughs> so it was a choice that I made to rejoice when someone on the team won, a very forced choice to say, good for you. I may have, at one point, recommended a Bernie Sanders approach to the coupons where, <laughs> like, we're all we're feeling the burn. It's like, well, if we all just put them together and share, we all get Chick-fil-A, right, guys? Look, who's feeling that? And I may have called out another staff person because I didn't think they were winning fairly, um, which I think is a kind thing to do, to call them out. <laughs> so let's just say in this game of bingo, inside I became a jealous monster. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I wasn't the only one because the woman who was running bingo for us by the last round that she said was the big round after this, we were all like, very quiet and focused on putting those tiny pieces of paper on our bingo cards. She's like, you guys got really quiet, and we're all like, yeah, we're here to win. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And uh, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with wanting to win or being competitive, but I will say that during that game, I lost sight of what the purpose of this game of bingo was in the first place. Because I was focused on the gifts that I was not getting, and though everybody else was getting. And so I wasn't actually able to love and bless my staff team like I intended to. And my guess is if you were there, you'd have the same struggle, right? You feel that? And I think we do this with spiritual gifts as well. That we look around at the gifts that other people have, the, thing, the things that God gives them, the talents they have, the roles they're asked to serve in. And instead of being excited that they're getting to serve and bless others, we tend to focus on ourselves and we want these gifts so that we feel more important. And here's why I think we do that. See, I think we think the more gifts we have indicates the more value that we have as people. And that God, um, and yeah, that we're worth more. But because we don't understand the value God gives us by his love, we use spiritual gifts as a means to prove ourselves worthy of love by competing and comparing with others. And when we do this, we miss the whole reason God gives us gifts in the first place. To love one another, to build up the body of Christ, and not to make a name for ourselves, or to collect them like Pokemon cards. You guys collect those? Gotta have them all. <laughs> well, tonight we're going to look at the subject of love from a passage that you're probably all pretty familiar with. And if you're here, when I say 1 Corinthians 13, if you're like me, you probably automatically think, what do you think? Okay, some people are saying it, which is really impressive. I just think wedding. Does anyone else think that? That's like, that's the classic thing you hear in a wedding. So my eyes immediately get rolled in the back of my head, and I'm like, this is how husbands and wives are supposed to love one another. Cool. But guys, as I've been studying this passage, it's been really fun because it is just so much more than that. It's, it's part of that, but it's so much more. And so let me give you the context, which is really important when you're reading the Bible. So chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing to this church in Corinth. And he starts out by saying, hey, I don't want you to be uninformed about the spiritual gifts in your life. And he goes on to explain that God, by his grace, has apportioned each person specific gifts that they are to use for the common good of building up the body of Christ. And if you heard the old, there's like uh, the body of Christ that we have, every, there's ears and eyes and feet and gallbladders and all that stuff. And he's saying that, I don't know if that's explicitly in there, but what I'm thinking was going on in the church is they're kind of looking around and they're like, you know what? I want to be the eyes of this body if I could, because they're pretty important. But I'm probably more of a gallbladder, and now I'm really jealous that they get to be the eyes. Do I even matter if I don't have these really cool gifts? But Paul is saying that God actually bestows honor on the parts that don't necessarily get honor from everyone else. And that all parts of the body are actually indispensable to God. And that we need to realize that we are united together in one spirit. We are one body. And so we can't be comparing to one another, saying, I wish I were this, I wish I had this. Because that divides us instead of brings us together like we're supposed to. And so he says, seek gifts. Want to grow in that. Want to be more like, spiritually gifted. That's an awesome thing to pursue. But he says in verse 12, or chapter 12, verse 31, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And so tonight we're talking about love, specifically the absence of love, the description of love, the importance of love, and the source of love. Um, I did make an acronym, but then I changed the talk last minute. So... Um, you'll see it. It was going to be AIDS, not like the disease, but like helps, like to help you remember what we're talking about. 
but now it's Adis, which is actually Gaelic for um, love. It's not, I made that up, so. <laughs> so because of that, I'm gonna pray as we get started. So God, thank you so much for um, your word. Thank you for the truths of your word, and I pray that each one of us would see you as the loving, gracious God that you are, and that we would live in light of that. And we pray these things in your name, amen. All right, well, if you have Bibles, pull them out. If not, you can look at the screen, but it's more fun to have a Bible in front of you. Probably not one on your phone, because then you'll get distracted by Snapchat, so don't do that. Just look up here. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. This is a bold statement that Paul is say, making here. I mean, can you imagine if you had faith strong enough that you were to look at a mountain and say, hey, you can move, and it did? you would be like, I'm a very spiritually impressive person. Am I right? I'd be like, yeah, God is working in and through me. This is incredible. Or if you could understand everything that the Bible says, or if you gave your very life for your faith, if you're martyred for your faith, or you sold everything you own and gave it to the poor, wouldn't you start to think that you are a really, really amazing Christian? But here's what this is saying. You can do all those things. You can have all those things, but if you don't have love, nothing. It means nothing. So I made up a math equation for us to get this based on the verse. Here we go. Tongues plus prophecies plus understanding plus knowledge plus faith plus sacrifice minus love doesn't equal a super spiritually impressive person. Tongues plus prophecies plus, plus understanding plus knowledge plus faith plus sacrifice minus love equals nothing. Gifts minus love equals nothing, no matter how many you have. If you don't use them in love, they don't matter. They're useless. And I, like the Corinthians, am really tempted to focus more on the gifts. But gifts are used to build up the body of Christ, but we usually seek gifts to advance our own status, to make ourselves indispensable to God. And we do whatever we can to feel important, and that usually leads us to tearing others down around us. We compete for spots in the kingdom, don't we? We fight for fame and for glory. We clamor to show that we actually matter because we don't understand the value God gives us by his love. And so we use spiritual gifts as a means to prove ourselves worthy of love by competing and comparing with others. So you guys, you can do all the spiritual things you want. You can have all the spiritual gifts, these grand gestures of faith, but if you're not doing them at love, in love, they're worthless. Love is what matters. So seek the gifts, but realize they're not, for your, they're not for you. It's for your own enjoyment, for your own advancement. They are to build up the body of Christ. So we keep talking about love, but let's, what is the definition? Actually, it's one of the most Googled, I think that's a verb, words in the entire world. People are trying to really figure out how do you define love. And so Paul here gives us a description of what love is. So let's look at that. Love is patient and kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. 
It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So when you read this list here, I want you to look at it. And I want you to kind of measure up and say, how do, the, how do I do at loving people? Do you ever lose your patience with someone? Perhaps while you're driving and someone's too close or not using a signal or really doing anything in a car? Have you been jealous when someone got chosen to do something that you didn't get chosen for? Maybe they got a scholarship or an internship you wanted. Or have you ever bragged about something in your life to make yourself look better or to kind of put other people in their place? You ever been irritable? Or have you ever just had to have something your own way and you weren't going to budge? See, when I look at this definition of love, I'm really, really bad at loving people. Usually because I'm too busy comparing myself to others and competing with them. But really, it all comes down to I am way too focused on me that I think I need to have my own way. And I'm too busy trying to show people I'm worth loving. I matter. Look that I exist. It makes a difference. And this can actually get really ugly in our lives. Can any of you relate to that? I actually see this all the time. Um, and even several years ago in our Christian ministry, on our staff team, a long time ago, we had this uh, really big team, and there was one guy who was kind of like the star of the team. Like, he got asked to do all the really important spiritual tasks. And whenever he would get asked to do something, the rest of us would kind of look and kind of roll our eyes like, oh, him again. And it wasn't because he lorded it over us. He wasn't, like, bragging about it. He was just doing what he was gifted at doing. But we started, like, talking about him behind his back or just, like, there's com competition, like, oh, why didn't we get chosen? And the whole reason was is because we were jealous that, that his gifts were being used and it didn't seem like ours were getting any attention. We missed the point. And I've actually seen the other side of that, how people can compare, and then they kind of realize, you kind of measure up to the people around you, and you go, I can't even compete. And so what they do is they just kind of drift off, not realizing that you have an important role to play in the kingdom of God. And you decide that you don't have gifts to offer anyone, and you just keep those to yourself. And you keep people from experiencing what you uniquely bring to the kingdom of God. So we try to prove our worth, we try to compete and compare with one another, and we feel this need to get love for ourselves. Like, we don't have any. We've got to go and do whatever we can to get love. And we think that gifts are going to do that, that our performance is going to do that. But they're insufficient. What we need is love. And here's why. Verses 8 through 13 say, Love never ends. As for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, they'll cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, and then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Guys, when Jesus returns, when we see him face to face, what teaching, what knowledge, what gifts are we going to need? We don't need those anymore because we have him. But what will last forever? Love. And so we can find ourselves getting swept up in these gifts, trying to be more spiritual than others. Those things are going to end. They're temporary, but love isn't. So when I was a senior in college, you're going to be really impressed right now, I was asked to be the first ever woman MC of Ball State crew. I know. 
Um, I got to tell stories. I got to make people laugh. I got to be a familiar face to people who came to crew for the first time. And it was really, really fun. And then I graduated and I came back to Ball State as crew staff. And it was three years later. So once you've been out of the college world for three years, no one knows you anymore. And I actually can remember this really sad moment as a staff person. I was laying in bed and I just started to realize nobody knows what I did as a student. No one knows I was the MC. Does it even matter? Do I even matter? And uh, it sounds ridiculous, but it was the first time I really realized that my role was temporary. There were new MCs now. It didn't matter. But what did matter was the way that I loved people in the role, the way they got to express care to people, the way I got to initiate with people, the way I got to recruit for the Great Commission and bring people into this community. That's the stuff that still was going on when I came back. There are different people in the role. There still will be. There always will be. The role will fade away, but the relationships and the way you utilize that position to build up the body of Christ, that will last forever. Gifts will end. Love won't. And so I want you to think about your own life. Are there gifts and roles that you're clinging to for worth, for value, for significance? Are you seeking the gifts for your own advancement, or are you using them to love others? Or do you find yourself competing or comparing yourself with others to feel important? Well, we ultimately desire to love others with our gifts. I think we all genuinely want to do that, but it's really hard to do. And so that's what we're going to look to our last point, which is the source of love. Jesus' sacrificial love frees us to love freely and sacrificially. See, when we realize how much God loves us, that he laid down his life for us, we're free to love. 1 John 3.16, it says this. How do we know what love is? By this we know love, that Jesus laid down his life for us. If you're wondering what does love look like, how do we know what it is, look to Jesus. On the cross, Jesus, the Son of God, took every one of your failures and your shortcomings and your selfishness and your unfaithfulness to him. He bore all of God's wrath against the evil that you committed. He paid the price you owe. He gave everything, his very life for you. And that, my friends, is what love is. Not this feel good, do whatever you want, just feel good and be happy. It was a sacrificial love that came at a great cost to himself. He loves the world, and he loves you. And it's not because you're so amazing or because you had so many things to offer, and it still isn't because you're so amazing and you have so many things to offer. It's because he's good and because he's love and because he wants you. True love sacrifice. It doesn't insist its own way. And Jesus loved as Paul told the Corinthians to love. He did it perfectly. As I was preparing this talk, I ended up, uh, you know, killing time looking at Facebook, and I came across an article, um, a, a clip of a story that was in the news just a few days ago. And so as you watch this, I want you to think about how the man in this clip demonstrated love. So are we ready for that? Let's watch that then. I was flashing my lights crazily at him, like a strobe light, like click, 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 click because I couldn't think of any other way to say, stop driving at me, please don't hit me. Sarah Guerin was returning home from work early Saturday morning when she saw a wrong-way driver barreling towards her, driving westbound in the eastbound lanes of the Selling Expressway. 
started to pull over to the side of the road. Um, but that hadn't even occurred all the way when the officer rushed around to me. And one or two seconds after he passed me, he ended up hitting the car instead of me. Making the ultimate sacrifice, she is sure Deputy John Cotfilia intentionally crashed into that car, saving her life. This man put himself in front of us as a human shield. Absolutely. He definitely, he, he definitely saw what was going on. When I take a step back and look at the way everything occurred, he absolutely was a human shield for us. Garen will always remember Deputy Cotfilia as her hero, as his colleagues at the sheriff's office remember him as a friend with an infectious smile. He was a well-rounded person that you wanted to be around. His legacy will live on as a founding member of the safety net team, which helps find people with special needs who have wandered away from home. John made us better. He made this program better. He makes the sheriff's office better. And it's going to be missed. Tonight, the agency continues its work with one less deputy on duty as the Fallen Heroes Memorial prepares to bear one more name. Well, I'm curious, as you, as you watch that story, it just happened a few days ago. Do you feel it's like there's a mix of emotions, isn't there? There's something really touching about this man who is willing to swerve in front of this car and take the brunt of the oncoming traffic on their behalf. It's sacrifice that he would put his life at risk, that he would lay his life down. And isn't that a, a, just a picture of the gospel, of what Jesus did for us? A man deciding to lay his life down so that it was worth saving other people. There's something powerful. There's something incredibly moving when you see a person make a move like that, lay down their life like that. Now, I don't know if that officer was a Christian or not, but I do know that he acted like one. Now, I'm not expecting all of you to physically go and die for other people. But I do think that each one of us can choose to die to ourselves in small ways on a daily basis. Here's an example. Um, my roommates, I really love them because they're amazing. And we have two parking spots at our house, other than mine in the garage because I take that one. But there's two other ones, so I'm the bad person in this analogy. But there's one in the, there's one in the driveway and then there's one on the road. And so I think it's human nature to like want to like make sure you get home for the good spot so that you're the closest to the door and you don't have to walk through the yard. Like I think that's human nature. But my roommates have started this precedent this year where if usually if one of them is home first, they'll park in the bad spot so that the other one gets the good spot. And what happens is they start outdoing one another in love. It, they're always like trying to like find who can serve each other better than the other one. And that's moved on. That kind of attitude has made its way from the outside of our house to the inside of the house and how we do dishes for one another, how we share space together, how we respect one another. Those small sacrifices make us want to sacrifice for one another more because I know that these girls have my back and they would do, they would do it for me. So I want to do it for them. And so I think... You know, when we, look about how, when we look at that, it really is just a small picture of me of how Jesus loves us. And that's how we should love one another, sacrificially, serving, ultimately knowing that no matter what happens, if I lay my life down, if I give up a right, if I choose to not do something, Jesus has my back. He has provided everything that I need. What more do I need to give? He's got me. So don't just say, I think it's easy as Christians to say that we love people without actually doing it. But here's what happens when Christians actually lay their lives down and, and love the way that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians. 
John 13, 34, and 35 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are to love one another. That's Jesus speaking, by the way. And he said, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Guys, the world will see a glimpse of who Jesus is and how he loves by looking at his followers. It's actually why the guys that came to campus a couple weeks ago and just yelled obscenities at people were not Christians and were not demonstrating the love of Christ and why it was so upsetting because someone claims to be a Christian, but they act really differently. We're to live differently and love differently. And the world will see as we are willing to lay down our lives for one another, the world will see that. But guys, guess what? Inevitably, you're going to fail at this. You're not going to be very good at this. So I'm just going to set you up. You're not going to be very good at loving people. But the great news for you today is that Jesus has loved you perfectly, and he has loved perfectly for you. Look at the description of love again. Love is patient, it's kind, doesn't envy, doesn't boast, it's not proud or rude, keeps no record of wrongs, or is resentful is another way of saying it's not irritable. Look at that list. Jesus has been perfectly patient with us. You know that he could show you every sin you've ever committed immediately and be like, hey, stop that, you're offending me. But instead, he patiently reveals and makes us more and more like him. Jesus, oh man, he could keep a record of wrongs, couldn't he? All the ways that we have offended the holy God of the universe and chosen to go our own independent ways. But yet, Psalm 103.12 says, through our faith in Jesus, by the way, that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed our sins from us. He got rid of that record of wrongs by nailing it to a cross. Jesus wasn't arrogant or proud. The only one who actually could be came, the God of the universe came to earth in the form of a helpless man, was raised by a family, was humbled. In the world that he created, he walked around and the world didn't know him. They didn't worship him. And in fact, we see this picture of the very followers. He washed their feet. He got on his knees and washed their dirty feet. And then he chose to be mocked and killed and crucified, murdered. Why? For us. To redeem us. See, Jesus loved the way you can't love, and he'll love you more than you'll ever, ever get. So hopefully we'll, we'll come to get that more and more. Do you see this? Jesus loved us perfectly, and he's perfectly loved for us. So we don't need to look anywhere else to find worth or value or importance or love. I say this a lot because it means a lot to me, um, but how do you know how valuable something is? It's how much you're willing to pay for it. And Jesus was willing to pay his whole life for you. So in light of that, doesn't it just seem stupid to try to get anything else? To look to gifts to prove how much, God, don't you love me more now that I can tap dance? He's like, no. <laughs> I still love you the same. It's like, yeah, you're right. Okay, you love me because I'm yours, and you've chosen to love me. I'm valuable because you give me value. And when we understand the value God gives us through the sacrificial love of Jesus, we don't have to use these gifts to prove ourselves worthy of love by competing or comparing with others, but we are free to love freely and sacrificially because that's how we are loved. We can love because he first loved us. And so here's some questions I want you to consider. If people look at your life and the way you love, do they see Jesus? 
Are you stepping on others to get what you want, to provide for yourself? Or do you see that God has perfectly provided for you in Jesus? Are you willing to love even when it comes at a great cost to you? The real question is, what keeps you from believing God's sacrificial love for you? I'm going to encourage you guys, read your Bibles. Like, I can't tell you enough. I didn't do it very much in college because I got, like, I wanted to be around people. And I felt like when I had to read my Bible, I had to be by myself, and I didn't like that. Go together with friends, read it, and ask each other questions. Because if you want to know God's love, if you want to see the big picture of who he is, look to his word. You can't miss it. And if you're here tonight and you don't know God in this way, you're not sure if God loves you, you're not sure if you have a relationship with you, there are blue cards. Please write down that you want to talk to somebody, and we will call you. Or come up and find me afterwards. You guys ever heard the expression that hurt people hurt people? Well, I actually think loved people love people. And friends, you are dearly loved. And so let us love with the love that he has loved us with, sacrificially. And so I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you so much uh, for this time to be able to think about who you are and the great love that you have for us. And I pray that we would walk in the power of the Spirit. I pray that we would walk in dependence on you and that you would help us. Were there areas where we just have a hard time believing, whether it be pain or circumstances or our past, that keep us from knowing your love, God, I pray that you would reveal those to our, to our hearts. God, I pray that you would overwhelm us with your love for us and that we would be men and women who love sacrificially, willing to lay our lives down to sacrifice for others because we know, Lord, the ultimate sacrifice we have was in you. So God, thank you so much. We pray these things in your name. Amen.